When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Monagle here with you, 877-337-6666. You know the deal, I got you till 5 o'clock and the warm-up show comes your way. We've opened the discussion to a lot. You know, I, I, I was really surprised to see, and I mentioned it briefly uh, when I was talking about the Jets, but Vrabel being out in Tennessee is really shocking to me. Now, I guess, you know, they had a losing season, and... I mean, there were rumbles of it a little bit, but I, if for to not recognize what you have there and not make it work, Vrabel's one of the best head coaches in the league. In fact, if I, I put him now, I, I, I would consider there th- the three coaches available right now. Like, if I were looking to make a move and if I were looking to really bring in a game-changing head coach, right, you've got the idea that Jim Harbaugh would come back from college after winning the national championship and having nothing else to prove nothing left to do with Michigan. He's accomplished everything you can accomplish. He's dominated Ohio state for a couple of years and now he's won his national championship. He has succeeded. And that's the other thing. Like I got a couple of people called me yesterday and even the day before about the, the feeling of Michigan and and it's tainted and, and I kind of just said, yeah, I think I don't care. He's it's the everything's equal now, and they won the game. And and I got a couple of people on Twitter response. It's disgusting that you think that you know that you are dismissive of the cheating. What's become of like? Please stop. Everyone needs to stop. It's college football. Everyone cheats. And let me ask another question here. What exact? Like I I I read into the story. I looked into it. Like it's the biggest BS story of like what did exactly. Like, were they doing that was, like, so – they were watching signs. Like, we people steal signs all the time. It's it's and, and we've seen so much so much cheating throughout all of sports and in college. And the idea that the cheating was over and they won these games fair and square. They went through the toughest gauntlet you can go through. They beat Penn State. They beat Ohio State. They beat Alabama. And they beat Washington to win the national championship. They won all those games without – Anything being everything on the up and up. I'm sorry, I don't I don't view this as some some sort of like fake championship. Get over yourself. The Michigan the Michigan Wolverines are the national champions, and they deserve it. And Harbaugh deserves the praise he's going to get. And if I were him, I would go to the NFL. But that's just me. I'm a pro guy. I would go to the NFL now, and I would accomplish both both feats. I would go. I w- I've already won my national championship. Now I want to go win my Super Bowl. That's what I would go do. I wouldn't have to worry about recruiting. I wouldn't have to worry about anything. I would just go coach my team. So for me, assuming he's going to come to the NFL, just a, a brief assumption, and if you're going to assume that Bill Belichick is going to be out in New England, and I understand that Vrabel immediately becomes the coach everybody assumes will just slide in to New England from his history, but his history is with Bill Belichick as well. Uh, and I know it's in New England. He's in the New England Ring of Honor, right? He got that jacket. I saw him, that red jacket. I saw the uh, 
uh, happened earlier in the year. And everyone just assumes that's the easy transition, and maybe it'll happen. But for me, those are the three coaches, and I put him up there. I That's how much I think of Rabel. Where if I were a team that was on the fence about my coach, or if I were a team that just felt like I needed one of these guys to, to be a game changer for my organization, like Harbaugh is one, no doubt. Obviously, Bill Belichick, as one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach in the NFL, is one, and I honestly think Vrabel is that good a head coach, where I would put him up there, where if I were on the fence about my head coach, I would be willing to make a move to get Mike Vrabel to be the head coach of my football team. That's how good he is, and that's how surprised I was that Tennessee would let him go. Because I honestly believe he's he's that good a head coach. He's one of the best head coaches in the league, without question. Without question. He's up. He's Mike Tomlin. He's Bill Belichick. You know, not on the same level, but like right as as currently as coaches go, right at this moment. I mean, I put him right up there. I, I he's Andy Reid. Like he's one of these. He's one of the great head coaches in the NFL. I know he doesn't have the Super Bowls of Belichick or Reid, or even Tomlin, but or the or or the winning sustained winning of Pittsburgh has had. But I I think Tom, I think he's that good a head coach. I think he's that good a head coach, and honestly, if I that's the one he he's a coach here where I would consider for the Jets. I know I'm on the plan. If he would be willing to come and play any coach, like if they're if you're willing to keep Hackett, and you're willing to come and work with Aaron Rodgers, Vrabel is such a better head coach than Robert Sala is. It's not even worth discussing. But I just I don't know if he would want that job. He's going to have other options. He's going to be able to walk right into the place he called home forever in in New England. Uh, depending on what happens, if Belichick becomes available or not, or whatever happens with Harbaugh or whomever, I think the best coaching, most people think, the best coaching position available is is in L.A. with the Chargers and Herbert. I think if if the Chargers don't hire him, they're stupid. Like if, if the Chargers don't hire Belichick or Vrabel, they're idiots. Stuart in Brooklyn, what's up, Stu Pot? Back to the phones, 877-337-6666. What's up, Stu? Hey, Chris. Uh, yeah, right. Vrabel's up there. Belichick. Like, if the Chargers, and, like you just said, don't hire either one of those guys to work with Justin Herbert, then where's Herbert going to end up being? Is he going to end up with another coach that, that, that doesn't know how to use his talent and ability? Well, I would I would think they have to go get a coach who's either a great, and I know Vrabel's defensive, and I know Belichick's defensive. Then you can go get a great uh, offensive coordinator with the great head coach. But I would think you got to go make sure you get an offensive coach. You got to go make sure you get a great quarterback coach, great offensive coordinator, great head coach. You got to figure you've got a, a window here with a super talented quarterback right. that you have to do better than you have to they do have better to with. Do. But have to. Again, Getting to the reason why I called, what, who do you think the Yankees are going to get as far as filling out the rotation? Well, I mean, that's the question, isn't it, Stu? Um, yes. You think Snell? I, I, I would, if I had to take a guess, I would think Snell. Because I, I think ultimately, right now it seems, and again, it changes day to day, but right now it seems the two options are Snell and Cease. Right now, I don't know if Bieber and Burns are available for trade. I would like both of those guys better because it's less prospects for one year. I'm willing to go all in on next year. I trust Burns implicitly. I think Bieber is is still a very good pitcher. He's not great, but I'm getting him for one year. Let's look at Bieber's year, too. But I, I would think Burns would be a better, a better choice, though. 
I think Burns would be a better choice. I just don't know if he's available in the market. Like, we'd have to see. Shane Bieber uh, last year had a 3.8 ERA. He only started 21 games. On uh, 128 innings, he gave up 124 hits, struck out 107 batters. Uh, I mean, his whip was 1.2. You know, last year he, he won the Cy Young in 2020 in the short year. Last year he had a 2.8 ERA in 31 starts. Like he's still he's he's a very good pitcher. I would I would I would absolutely trade for Bieber. I would trade for C. I would trade for Burns before I trade for Cease because I have to give up less. For the rental. So I'd rather do that and then figure out next year. But if it's going to come down to trading, and I think that's what the Yankees are discussing. And for me, and how much I know, how much Cashman values his prospects, uh, I think I'd rather just give money than I would the prospects to go get a yeah, deal. And to go how get a much cease. do you think it would take to get snow? I don't know. We're going to have to, I mean, right around $200 million at the bare minimum, yeah. right? But, uh, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I, he's, he's, I mean, his numbers... He walks a lot of batters, but then again, he strikes out. But he doesn't give up many hits. No, he doesn't give it. He was the hardest pitcher in all of Major League Baseball to get a hit against. Because you know they need they need pitching that is going to be able to go alongside Garrett Cole. No, no question. I want a top of the rotation with Cole and an and we ace. We need Rodon to come back. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I think. Here. Yeah, no, he's. I think he is a focal point of the team. I think. I think you could look at offensively. Uh, like if you really want to be the one of the best teams in the league, if you want to be that dominant force, you're looking at two guys. If 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 um, Rodon reverts back to what he was a couple years ago, that rotation is far better. And, and the other one is Stanton. You nailed it. If Giancarlo Stanton can be uh, anywhere close to his MVP form, or be the guy who hits thirty and drives in a hundred and hit two fifty as opposed to two ten, and I think that dramatically changes the lineup because now. You have the legitimate th- three guys there, and I and I I still think Rizzo will be okay. But even at his best, he's a, he's a solid player, a good leader, a good first baseman, and a and a, a very good offensive player, but not as dangerous. Like if you if you have to navigate a lineup with with Stanton doing his thing, and you've got Soto, Judge, Stanton, that's that, a that's a, and then you add in Rizzo and you add in Torres. It's a much different lineup. But those three in particular are scary. Those three are imposing. Those three hit the ball 500 feet. Those three adjust your game plan when they're going the right. So that's, to me, those are the two players, Stu. And, the, and, uh, where it's, and uh, what do you think about Peraza? I think that I, I'm hoping he's in a trade because I don't know what they're going to do with him. Like I, I don't know unless they trade Gleyber Torres and he's the second baseman. Uh, like oh, I well, just, well, who do you think would be a better fit with the uh, the uh, Yankees, Torres or Peraza? Well, I think right now I'm all in for next year, so I want Torres because he's the better hitter, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm willing. And now the thought was you weren't going to re-sign Torres, and now I'm a little more open to that. If he gives you another great offensive year, I'm more open to it. I still don't think he's an instinctual winning player. I have some issues with the way he runs the bases. I have some issues with the way, you know, errors are made. People make errors. He tends to make them at the worst freaking time. Now, again, there's never a good time to make an error, but it just seems like, man, oh, man, if he doesn't blow double plays in the eighth inning, that's when the errors happen. They don't They don't ever happen with nobody on up 5 nothing in the third inning. Like, it's just, it always seems like it's a critical mistake. The base running, he'll make a critical mistake. Uh, it just, it just, I'm, I'm down on him despite having a great offensive year. If he has another offensive year like that, though, and you're talking about one of the premier bat- hitting 
second baseman. He's going to want a lot of money. They've got a lot of money invested already in the team in big contracts, assuming they sign Soto. So I think there's a good chance that Gleyber Torres won't be with the team next year. Like if next year's free agency, they're going to have Soto and Torres to deal with. If they go sign Soto for $550 million, like I don't know if there's enough in the coffers to go take care of Torres too, especially if he gives you another great offensive year and is one of the better hitting second basemen in all of baseball. He's going to get... You know, he's going to get big money. He's going to get $160, $170 million easy. So, I mean, so the idea of trading him before losing him for nothing was something that made sense to me a while back. Now they're all in for this year, and I'm willing to lose him for nothing to make sure I have the best offense I can have. Now I'm all in because I don't know how it goes. And then if I don't sign Juan Soto next year, then there's definitely money for Gleyber Torres. So I feel I feel much better about keeping Gleyber Torres than I did a year ago. Or than I did at the end of the the season, when they got when they got Soto, my mind changed on on Glaber a little bit because now I'm all in for one year, and I like Peraza. I just don't trust him to be a hitter, and I was willing to you know go forward if they would have got a, a big time if they would have changed things and done different things and traded Glaber for a pitcher or something and moving Peraza to second base. I was I'm open to that, but I feel like now I'm just all in on 24. I feel like this is the year to go win a World Series. This is the year to go do it because you don't know what the future holds. And so I'm all in. So I'm less likely to trade Gleyber Torres now. But so that means Peraza is available because what else is he going to do? Go back down to Triple H? I Triple H. My mind, my mind is all wrestling. Go back to Triple A? He's already proven himself there. It's, I mean, be a role player on this team, be a bench guy, be a utility infielder. You know, maybe take over third base if DJ LeMay, who's just absolute garbage this year, which I'm hoping he's not. But I just don't know what the role is. I'd rather trade him. I'm hoping he's in a Burns trade. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping him, Peraza, Cabrera are somehow enough. I'd trade all three of them for Burns. As crazy as I know it's a one year rental, I'd trade all three of them. I don't see a future really with all of any of them. I'd rather do that. 877 337 6666. McMonagle here with you. We talked about the Knicks earlier in the show. They are on a roll. We come back and, and get back into the Knicks as they have won five in a row. And Anobi, a plus 111 over these five games. And his acquisition has completely set the Knicks. And every single role is defined. And they are playing the best basketball they've played in a while. They are fun to watch as they just absolutely trounced, trounced. The Portland Trailblazers. We've got Aaron Rodgers never shutting up and Wink Martindale causing all kinds of problems inside the Giants, cursing out the coach and leaving. They can't get in touch with him. We have no idea if he's resigned or not. Just a wild time for the Giants front office. So we got plenty to get to as well as maybe going through some of these playoff games as we get to it. And I, you know what? I got to call the bar I'm going to and see if they have Peacock. Because I can't go there and rent out a golf simulator. I'm doing this whole thing. I'm renting out a golf simulator. I'm renting out um, electronic dart lanes and a pool table. I'm kind of going all in on Saturday having some fun. Kind of a late birthday thing. And I know people were fed up with how much we talked about my birthday. But I don't care. It's my 40th birthday. And I didn't get a chance because it's right around Christmas to see my, my, my old school you know, kids I grew up with buddies. So they're going to come up and watch a, and have some fun on the wildcard weekend football. So we went all out. We're going to go to a golf simulator and watch the sport. But I, now, now I'm concerned they don't have a peacock. I didn't even think about that. I got to call them. 
Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. You know what I forgot to tell you, uh, Fleeks? I had uh, last night, I talk about, or this afternoon, because I sleep at weird times now, I forget that. But you know how we all, at least I don't know if you did, I'm, We all, a lot of us did. It's I, I usually say we all when I say it, but you have the, the board op dream. Where when you first start board oping, especially if it's for Steve Summers, as I did. You have the board op dream where just nothing you you can't get in the room or you you're pushing the buttons wrong or nothing's working and everybody's yelling at you like we've all had the board op dream. Well, for the first time in my life, I had the host dream. I did not expect that coming. I did not see that coming. So I had a dream yesterday during the day that for whatever reason I was working from home. And during one of the breaks for whatever reason my wife asked me to go to the store for something, and I had to go to Lowe's. And I'm in Lowe's, and I'm like, I got to get back in a few minutes. And I'm walking out the door, and they're like, sorry, quarantine. No one's allowed to leave. And I'm like, no, I got to. And I'm and I'm calling you, and you're like, where are you? We're, we're coming back. And I'm like, I can't get home. And you're like, what do you mean you can't get home? I'm like, I can't get home. And it was I was like panicking. I'm trying to figure out a way to get out of Lowe's so I can come host the show. And I'm like... And it was perfectly normal. Like the idea, and I'm like, what am I going to do? It's not my fault. Like the idea that I went to Lowe's during a commercial break never dawned on me. Like maybe you shouldn't have done that. Or not even the weird. thing that it's not your fault. Like I I have these dreams yeah. and like you're right from the board up and it's always whatever the problem is, it's like, so it's, you know, all the systems shut down, none of the buttons work and I'm right. panicking like there's Correct. something I can do about that. Or right. I've had one where have to get to school or like, you know, I have a sure. shift that starts in two hours, but I'm in California. Correct. Which I like would never, it's just, it's always 100%. so stupid when it's, you wake well, up and realize. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's just, I'm sure people have them in all their walks of life. It's those, it's those dreams where you're just helpless to get it done and is like pressure. Like and I, that, well, that's, that's the key. Like it's feeling out, but these scenarios are 100% helpless and entirely unrealistic. Yes. Nobody would ever be in them. No. There's no, I wouldn't leave the house during a commercial break to go to Lowe's. Like, well, it was ridiculous. I got four and a half minutes here. Let me see if I can get <laughs> out real quick. Get, because we have to go buy, um, I have to go buy uh, a big uh, tub. I had someone uh, come and put, like, well, see, this. that's the problem. If you have to go get, like, a screwdriver, you can pull that off on a break, get in a right. tub. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, not a, not a bathtub. I shouldn't have said that. I have to go get, like, a big, um, like a bucket. Like, yeah, no, no, like a, a container. I have to go get a big container because I got to put the, there's a guy who goes around my neighborhood and puts up the Christmas lights and then he takes them down, but he doesn't store them. I got to buy a big uh, container to put my Christmas lights away. He's coming this week. So that's been on my mind. So I ran to Lowe's to get that. Then there was a quarantine. I couldn't get back. And I like, it's one of those dreams. Like I wasn't actually hosting the show until I couldn't get out. And then all of a sudden I got the call from you. Like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get home. Very weird. Very weird. We have the, the I mean, I I have those dreams in all different kinds of walks of life. But yeah, we I definitely had them as a board op too. You'd have the board op dream where it was just you couldn't you couldn't stop yourself from something was going wrong. It wasn't your fault, but you couldn't. Mine is always can't get there. Like I would have the dream that the the show was running. I couldn't get in the studio. 
I have both. I have the yeah. I can't get there and the I'm here. This, yeah. Whatever it is, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. But it still feels like it's your fault. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. It is weird. Dreams are weird. Who would have dreamed that uh, the Jets quarterback would be taking on a late night TV show host? What makes more sense? Are insane <laughs> dreams or anything that comes out of Aaron Rodgers' mouth? I think my dream makes more sense. I think my dream of being trapped at Lowe's while I'm trying to do a radio show is is probably more logical than some of the stuff he says. But, I mean, just just even in the way, like, if you listen to it, first off, and again, the main part of this for me is the hypocritical nature of what he said the day before. That's why I'm really hung up on it. I didn't get hung up. I had a lot of fun. I talked about these interviews every week. I called them game day for Rodgers, Tuesday game day. I thought you got a better feel for the team and a more honest opinion of what's going on with the team listening to Rodgers on Pat McAfee than you did from the coaching staff uh, after games and all week long. I think for the most of it, he's a different thinking dude that, you know, is whatever. For the most part, I have no problem with him. It's when he starts lecturing the franchise on having to get uh, all the crap out of the building and anything that has anything to do with winning, and he's creating controversies going on long you know, these long rants about COVID and who, what doctors were silenced and what medication was spurned and how we could have, you know, helped with this and how Fauci was financially aided by the vaccine and like all these things that, again, I don't, I, I'm not getting into his opinion. I, I, I honestly don't care, but it's just like, why are you doing this? And then even like some of the quote, like I just heard, and I forgot to mention this when we went through this topic the first time. Um, the idea that I would, when he says, when he starts talking about Jimmy Kimmel, which by the way, he never apologized, but when he starts talking about Jimmy Kimmel and he says, just the idea I've, I would never accuse you without full, you know, hundred percent proof. Like, that's just a weird thing to say. Like it, it, it's still almost insinuating. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not saying it cause I can't prove it. It's not saying I'm not say, I'm not saying that because it's ridiculous. It's I'm not saying that because I can't prove it. Like it's it's weird. The whole thing is weird, and it's like it's just amazing to me that he would still go on this thing and and retort to Jim after all the talk about making sure that everything that doesn't have anything to do with winning needs to be eliminated. And then you got Sala having to answer questions, which is the whole point, Aaron. You don't get that your teammates and your coaches have to answer these questions about your comments. And when I think he was on with Michael Kay and he's like, do you think this is the distraction? You're bringing up the hypocrisy that's obvious to anyone else. I mean, the answer isn't what they're going to fall back on is, well, he's talking about inside the building. I don't think anyone cares about what he does, you know, outside the building with interviews. They, it, what do you, you don't have, you know, the people in the building come outside the building and then go back inside the building. It's, it's, it's amazing how, you know, radio programs and, and YouTube programs that have 200,000 followers somehow work their way into the building, Aaron and Robert Sala. Wake up. Of course this has something to do with your team. Of course this is part of the nonsense you're talking about that isn't about winning. Like, it's not about winning. So, I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me that he would go on these rants still after all of this. And ultimately... It doesn't, it, hopefully it doesn't matter. Hopefully he plays. But he just, it just needs to stop. And thankfully it will that the season's over. And we're talking about, you know, Cleveland Texans and we're talking about Cowboys and, and 
Packers, and we're talking about some of the different matchups, and we're talking about whether or not you're willing to buy Peacock for five ninety nine to watch the game. Because we just need to stop, and thank God the season's over, and thank God we can transition into a Knicks season that thankfully at the moment looks pretty damn exciting as they took on the Portland Trailblazers and won 112-84 to to win their fifth consecutive game. Uh, Ananobi had his first real breakout offensively, I guess. I mean, 23 points, but it led the team. He was 9 for 12, He's so, and he's efficient with his scoring, too. That's the other thing. Like, in his first game, it took seven, it, what was it, like six shots to get the 17 points, seven shots. Like, now he's got, he's 9 for 12, he's 4 for 6 from three-point line. He only got to the field, he only got to the free-throw line twice, but still, I mean, 23 points, it took him nine shots to get there. Nine for 12 overall. He's got a plus 111 over the course of these five games. And the Knicks look better than ever. And I'm just, I'm really fascinated by the idea that some of the things that we thought held them back are now the things we need to embrace. Right? Julius Randle being, just go through the list of the different things. Julius Randle being one of your two best players right now seems like something you need to embrace. Um, you know, this coach and the way he coaches and the limits that we thought he had as a head coach, someone who could get the most out of a team with lesser talented players, someone who was going to get a great defensive effort. Now suddenly him and, and, and Leon Rose know exactly what to go get in Ananobi and change Ananobi and go and change what this team is immediately. And every piece fit perfectly, and everybody's role is more defined, and they're far better immediately. And so now you feel like if they can go out and find another one of these players who might be an all-star but not a superstar and might not be a you know a, a franchise-leading player but someone who fits in to what the Knicks and this coach are doing, you know maybe that's better than we thought. And I get it. It's the Portland Trailblazers, and it's the Chicago Bulls, and it's the Washington Wizards, but you know it's also the Philadelphia 76ers, and it's also the Timberwolves, but it's just been a better brand of basketball. And Brunson wins player of the week, and he's doing it without scoring a ton of points. He's also doing it with the assists. His assists have gone up uh, throughout these games, and Hartenstein stepped up and done a remarkable job with his rebounds and like DiVincenzo uh, in this case, you know, four for nine, three for eight, and you're seeing guys step up, right? You're seeing guys like McBride get 22 minutes in a game. You're seeing Grimes get 21 minutes. Now, again, in a little bit of a blowout, but 16 points, 17 points, respectively, as Hall- I'm watching Halliburton leave uh, the court with a hamstring injury. Apparently it's not as bad as it looked, as he literally got carried off the court, but he's going to be down for a while, and this Nick team has now immediately for me emerged as clearly, clearly the best of that secondary group and maybe knocking their way into that. So they've right now they are fourth overall. They jump from the eighth seed to the fourth seed with uh, Miami losing. Uh, and I guess uh, and they're winning the tie. Yeah, so they're 22 and 15. Miami 21 and 15. Pacers 21 and 15. Cleveland 21 and 15. And Orlando 21 and 16. So they are a half a game better than three teams, but they are the four seed right now. And I do believe they're better. 
than than those teams. I think they will finish as the four seed in the Eastern Conference. And I think right now this group could be good enough to challenge the 76ers, who they absolutely demolished, and a Milwaukee Bucks team that has struggled here, lost two in a row, and hasn't played well at all. And you got Giannis talking about blaming everybody, that everybody needs to do better, that the guys who wash the clothes need to do better. I mean, they're, they were hot for a while. They're struggling a little bit, but still, you know how good they are and what he'll, he'll make them by the time the season comes to an end. And the Celtics are the best team in the conference. So, But right there, what do they need now? Do they need that superstar player? That's the question here moving forward, right? Because ultimately the goal is to become a good enough team to compete for an NBA Finals championship. Are they that team right now? And if not, can it be good enough to go get someone like a, a Brogdon, as Evan and Tiki talked about today, or a Jordan Jackson, uh, Jordan Clarkson, excuse me, or someone like that and fill that quickly role or fill a role that they're missing, have Leon Rose and, and Tibbs get together and figure out the kind of piece they need and go get that very good player who fits them perfectly and gives them this last piece or the, an extra piece that they need to get better as opposed to making the big superstar move. Are you willing now to trust the idea of a Tibbs team with Leon Rose making the moves and understanding? And for me, it helps that, uh, I, again, I, I, I do think there's something to the immediacy of it. Like, this took nothing. If this would have taken, if they were 500 for the first 10 games with them, like if they went 5-5 five and five or they were, you know, 4-4 four and four over the first eight or something like that, or even worse, 3-5 and five over the first eight, and it's just like, eh, you could see how it might make them better, but it's going to take some time. You know, it takes some time without quickly and RJ to figure the things out. Instantly, instantly, everybody, it just clicked. I think there's something to be said for that. It makes me feel better about it being sustainable. And it makes me feel better about the idea that these guys are aware of how this team works and they're aware of what they need and this coach knows exactly the kind of player he needs to make it better. And it has in every way, shape, or form. Defensively, it spreads the floor. It puts everybody in their role. Everything's been better with the Knicks. So, I mean, I feel a lot better about this team. And now I feel like maybe, just maybe, they don't need the big crazy move. Maybe they don't need the Mitchell or they don't need the big star to come here and change the franchise and be the number one to Bronson's 1A and not need Randall to be one of the two best players like or be even included in it and change the core and bring in this guy. Like I don't know. I feel like now you could add another excellent role player and maybe put this team on the same level as the 76ers and the Bucks. And I know it's only five games, but I'm all bought in. I'm completely in on it. Completely in. 877-337-6666. And I mentioned Rodgers there. I want to say something real quick because I saw a story where I, I disagree a little bit. And I'm, I heard it on the morning show and Gio talked about it. And they I saw a story on it where the comparison, since we're talking about basketball a little bit, and the comparison to, and I've made the exact opposite a little bit, but the comparisons to, Rodgers and um, some of the other and uh, other mercenaries and specifically Kyrie Irving and the impact that he's had with this team and those players had with the Nets and specifically Irving uh, was was the was the team where he comes in he obviously speaks his mind different thought process gets hurt ultimately hurts the team and and I understand that 
analogy. And obviously, one year into this, I I totally under I certainly understand that it, it's it's literally quite literally the exact same thing. But the one difference I do want to just point out because let me defend Aaron Rodgers for a second because I've made this point a couple times, but I think that this was a good jumping point off of it because it is similar in ways to Irving because injured his this has completely hurt the team. Everything he has to say in the interviews he's doing, totally agree. And his 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 outspokenness and his different mindset and all that stuff, uh, and how he you know he, he looks at life a little bit differently than most, and that's fair. But the one thing I'll say about Rodgers is he's committed to the Jets. Like that's the one thing I'll say. Rodgers has absolutely he's talking about wanting to play multiple years. He's restructured his contract. He's not going anywhere. He believes in the guys. He's not looking to scapegoat anybody. He's not looking to blame anybody. He's not looking to uh, you know, do anything else but to get the Jets and the Jets only to an NBA, uh, to an NFL championship. He's not looking to do what's best for him. He's not looking to play with his best. For, I mean, I know he's bringing in some of the guys, but it's not the same thing as bringing in your 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 you know, Durant or whatever, but like he's committed. He's not looking to run the second there's some dysfunction. He's not looking to run the second there's some adversity, which a lot of the, with with specifically the Nets, even Durant, right? Durant comes in talking about how Atkinson and, and the way the Nets play is what brought him here. And then within one year, oh, no, no, the coach has got to go. Rodgers is like, hey, listen, I love Robert Sala. I love Joe Douglas. I love this Jet organization. I'm going to come play for the Jets. A miserable year. He's not looking to point fingers at the coach. In fact, he's given the coach a uh, vote of confidence. He's helping save the coach's job. And he wants to come back here and he wants to do everything for the Jets. He's completely bought into the Jets. So, yes, he's he speaks his mind outside the building. And, yes, his thought processes are a little bit different than most. And yes, his injury and his lack of playing and and his outspokenness has absolutely hurt the team this year. But at least you get the feeling that Aaron Rodgers is all in on the Jets. He's not going to demand a trade. And yes, he doesn't have the same value and it wouldn't work as well. And he wouldn't be able to move his way out. And football is different than basketball. Fine. But at least he's committed to the team. And you can count on the idea that he's going to be here next year and he's going to be. I mean, and the teammates voted him the most inspirational player on the team and they love him. And he's done everything he could to connect himself with every player. I mean, he 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 worked his ass off to come back from this injury, and now he's he's he wants nothing more than to play and win with the Jets. And so that's the one angle I'll say. So as we look at him, and as we talk about his nonsense and the idea he's battling with Jimmy Kimmel about whether or not Jimmy Kimmel is a pedophile, which is just so out there and ridiculous that you can't even imagine as the words come out of your mouth that this is a legitimate story and a conversation we're honestly having. It's absolutely bonkers. I get it. And it's caused more problems than it's than it's helped. And the idea that he's literally asking the team to get rid of the nonsense and then on a weekly basis creating all the nonsense is just the the pinnacle of hypocrisy. But at the end of the day, this season's over. And next year, there is no doubt where his mindset is. His mindset might still be on Fauci, as we clearly see, but his focus will be on bringing the uh, the Jets back to a, a Super Bowl for the first time since 1969. I have no doubt about that. I know exactly what he wants. He wants to win, and he wants to win in a Jet uniform. And on that level, on 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 the minus, the, the most obvious and most 
the least you could ask of a player, at least he gives you that. 877-337-6666, which I don't think the net mercenaries gave you. And I don't even think the Met mercenaries gave it to you. They were looking to move on the second the Mets decided that maybe this wasn't their year. They weren't interested in next season. Rodgers is interested in next season and the season after that. He's determined on winning for this franchise. Tommy in Astoria. What's up, Tommy? Hey, Big Mac. How you doing? Happy What's, New Year, brother. Happy New Year to you, sir. Well, I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. You know, I, I try to stay reasonable and even keeled on this. And um, one thing, I'm going to see Billy Joel tomorrow night at the Garden. So I'll take my mind off it a little bit. So that's uh, are you are you big you're a big Billy Joel guy, right? I love Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's good. Looking forward to that. So at least I'll take my my mind off the the, the Mets for a few hours. But no, I'm I'm giving Stearns the benefit of the doubt. I mean, one thing this guy was always able in Milwaukee to win ninety games, put together a roster, put the you know uh, put together a pitching. He staff. did an excellent. Yeah, he's he did a very good job in so, Milwaukee. And, and the thing we always have to keep in touch with, I told my Mets fans, I know Fleekman brings this up all the time, and it's a fact. In the last 10 years, we've drafted and developed the least amount of guys to get to the majors. The least amount of draft talent. picks. Have... Right. I mean, by far, by far. And Houston has the most. And he, they brought in the guy who was one of the big shots in Houston. I yes, guess, like they did. Doubted or something. Yep. So there's things going on behind the scenes. Yes. I mean, we just got – look. It sucks not signing big guys. I, I'm I'm a little impatient. I don't totally get it, but uh, I'm going to be out there. I mean, I'm you know. I, I don't get like it at all. Though. I don't get it at all. Why is this? What does bringing in contracts I, do to hurt yeah. this team? Oh, I still think they're going to sign somebody. I still think they're going to bring in a DH. I mean, if they go in with Mark Vientos and DJ Stewart as your DH platoon, then then I'm going to lose it. Then I think that's the same old stuff. Yeah, well, I, I mean that's I, what I, I mean. That's, that's uh, again. You're, you're right. It's just a report, it does, it does and we'll look see. Like we're heading there, all right. It seems like we're heading there when they're not going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. That, see that I don't get. I don't get that at all. Um, I like the kid Gilbert. He might be up. Uh, Acuna. The other thing I don't get is I wouldn't be opposed to giving up prospects. Prospects are there to be traded. That's what the Yankees do. The Yankees develop all these pitching prospects. They may trade them, right? right. Uh, Chris, you know better than I do. Yeah. I mean, very few of these guys actually get to the Yankees. Yeah, over the so last couple of trade, years in particular, yeah, they've really tra- traded so away. So traded like an Acuna or, or a Parada for Burns, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Oh, I, I no, mean, you I, can't do that. Why wouldn't you do that? You can't do that. You can't trade away Cunha for a rental. You just got you. You just it was the coup yeah. of the century. You you paid Scherzer's contract to get him here. You can't trade him for a rental. If you wanted to, you know if I, you wanted to make a case for like, if you wanted to make a case for Juan Soto, I mean, as as a rental. But I mean, if you want to make a case for like a, getting a, a young, a talented you know pitcher who's under control right. or something. But you know but why I you say just that? just sign Burns in the off season. Yeah, but you know why I say that Brett Beatty. Right, two years ago, was a top 100 prospect. He was a top prospect in baseball amongst their basement. Yeah. Last year, he looked awful. I mean, I'm not saying he can still bounce back, but Chris, he looked awful. Yeah, he had he his... couldn't field. Yeah. He couldn't hit lefty to save his life. Yep. He couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And this kid, these, these prospects never pay. Very rarely, I'm not going to say never, but very rarely did he pan out for us. And we hold yeah, on to them. And, and again, I mean, I'm, again, if you're hearing me, I'm not. I'm not saying that Acuna is unt- untouchable, and I can't trade him. Right. What I'm saying, I don't trade him for a rental. That that's out of the year, question. I, I can't do that. Not Burns. That's not a good. Even Cease is. Even Cease would be a little bit more. At least you have well, control of the pitcher. You can't do it for a rental. You can't. And that's why I understand price, that. What kind of package do you think the Yankees would have to give up for Burns? For Burns, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that it can be a package based around 
uh, the uh, three of or two of these three with other you know pitching prospects or with lesser down the list pitching prospects, but hopefully Peraza, Pereira, Cabrera, like Oswaldo Cabrera, Everson Pereira, and Os- and Oswald Peraza. Those are the three guys that I would be interested in. I don't know about all three, but a package a lot. of it be a lot? Yeah. yeah, I mean certainly. Certainly one of them, if not two of them, and a lesser prospect. Maybe not all three of those guys, but I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't even think I don't I don't expect Oswaldo Cabrera is a, a useful player. He he had his moments two years ago. He's okay if you're going to use him as a utility infielder. He does play outfield and infield. He could be a useful player that way. But honestly, like if they traded him for Burns, I don't. I don't yeah. would, would anyone care? Oh. Like that's that. I'm I'm fine with that. So if he, if it's if it's him and Peraza, I'd be glad to do that for Burns. I got you. Keep up the good work, brother. You got it. Best guy on the station. Oh, well, thank you very much, Tommy. Certainly at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm the best. Um, That is, there's no doubt about it. Unless Hoffman's on at 3 o'clock in the morning on Fridays. Because I guess he just won some sort of bet. I'm very proud of him. Very proud of that, Pete Hoffman. He's going to make those two dress up like wrestlers. I'm looking forward to that. I still have Halloween costumes left over if you can fit into six-year-old costumes. They were my kids were Hulk Hogan and um, a Macho Man Randy Savage, and we've been watching uh, all the WrestleManias in the morning. We started with WrestleMania one, we're up to WrestleMania ten with uh, Yokozuna. That's what I do every morning. My life is just—I really question so many of the decisions I've made over the course of my life. None more than. January of last year when I allowed them to watch the Royal Rumble. It, it's, it's completely taking over my life. We've been to three wrestling events. We've constantly, I wake up in the, I come home, I try and relax on the couch. They run downstairs and immediately it's putting on wrestling and doing the matches and jumping all over me. And Yokozuna's one sucks because they jump from the top rope, which is the arm of the couch, and right onto my stomach. That's Yokozuna's finish. Sucks. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Yeah, but I'm not opposed to get back to the caller's point. I, I hear you. I agree with the Mets on some level because I stocking the farm system makes sense. No one is sitting here saying the idea of holding on to assets and acquiring more assets and stocking your farm system and building from within. Because you're right. Over the last ten years. The Mets have done a, a worse job than anyone in baseball at drafting, developing, and getting players to Major League Baseball, which is funny considering how many of their guys are homegrown. McNeil, Alonzo, Nimmo. Like, they've got a bunch of guys here. Uh, Alvarez, Beatty. They've got a roster full of guys who come from the from the minor leagues. But ultimately, their guys don't make it to the Major League, clip, uh, major league level at a worse clip than any other team in baseball over the last 10 years. So that needs to change, and particularly pitching. Needs to change. This is an organization built, built on homegrown pitching. So I agree. That needs to change. I have no problem. I'm not out here saying you have the richest owner in baseball. Go trade for Juan Soto and pay him. Go trade for this one. I understood not trading for Juan Soto. And that's not coming from a Yankee fan who wanted him to himself and they got him. So it doesn't matter. I understand that point. Don't go trade for any, don't go trade for Burns. The Yankees are in a position where they're all in for a championship right now and willing to trade pieces. The Mets don't have to be. The Mets are building something. But while you do it, spend your money. That's what I don't get. How does the money hurt you? Spend the money while you're doing that. Don't trade for Burns. Sign Snell. 
Is he as good as Burns? No, but it's a one-year thing, and it's just money. Don't trade for Burns. Don't trade for Bieber. Sign Montgomery. Don't trade for Juan Soto. Go get J.D. Martinez just to help you out for a year. I'm fine with that. I understand that. Something. Something. They can't just sit on their laurels and, and just say it's okay. And the report yesterday from uh, uh, from SNY and Andy Martino is that they're pretty much done and they got another $10 million to spend. Why on earth? And if that part is true, and again, he didn't call that a hard number. Here's what I hate about that report more than anything. Not that they're not interested in, like if the report was, look, in some of the pieces left, they're not interested. They're not interested in J.D. Martinez. They're not interested in Snell, they're not interested in this one, they're not interested in that one. I might be annoyed by it, but what really bothered me about this report in particular is the idea that there is a number on what they're willing to spend. Right? Ultimately, yeah, I understand I'm on a little bit of a slippery slope. There's a budget eventually, but the Mets really shouldn't have a budget. The Mets should still, this team isn't good enough where you're on a budget. Like, yeah, I'm not saying go out and buy everyone, I understand there's a limit on how much money and contracts you're going to give out and spend. Fine. But right now, with the, the absolute nothing they've done, with the app, with 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 literally Bader being your addition, Bader and Wendell being the different addition to the offense, and a bunch of pitchers who are low risk, low you know, high reward types that maybe can come through for you, having a miserable rotation, doing nothing to this offense of a team that won eight less than eighty games last year isn't good enough. And the idea that you've put a limit on the number when Maybe a contract falls to you. You should still be aggressive. There's things you can still do. The idea that, hey, listen, even if I wanted them, I got $10 million left to spend. That, If that is true, that is absolute garbage. And that would piss me off as a Met fan. It's one thing to say, eh, I don't love him. Eh, I don't think he's worth that money. Eh, this, eh, that. It's another to go, well, even if I like that player, I only have $10 million left to spend. There should not be a budget on this year. How could they be? How could you say they have ten million left to spend when they were offering Yamamoto three hundred twenty-five million dollars? You have money to spend. There is no budget. Say you don't want. Don't tell me it's a budget. Tell me you don't want to sign JD Martinez. You don't want to sign anybody else. You don't want to bring in a veteran. But I mean, we'll see. I I think this Mets season, this Mets off season, has been an out and out disaster. I don't let. Again, I'll say it until I run out of breath. If I'm the Mets and the Mets fan specifically, and this guy bought my team, I thought for sure two things were done. Two things I would never have to worry about, and I would never question them ever again. One, retaining my superstars, and two, punting on seasons. Those two things should have never been in my lexicon ever again. And yet here we are where Pete Alonso, there was a report, what, a week ago? Again, report, who knows? But there was a report weeks, uh, a couple weeks ago that it's getting less and less likely or, or it's at the point where it's, 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 it's likely he will not be retained by the Mets. Pete Alonso needs to be a Met, plain and simple. I don't care what the number is. When, I, when this owner bought the team, I never worried about Pete Alonso leaving. And I don't just give up on seasons. There's ways to build and spend. The Dodgers do it. Spend your money. It doesn't hurt the building process. Don't trade prospects. Fine. Spend your money and put a team forth. And just because you spent money the last two years and it got you one winning season and one losing season, and you think somehow that's a some sort of, you know, 
answer on what spending money actually does for you. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You think it's some sort of referendum on spending money? Embarrassing. It's embarrassing. This offseason better get another. They better do something. They better bring in another legitimate starting pitcher or give them a better DH option. Something. Something. Otherwise, it's an out-and-out disaster. And, the, and, and and for you Met fans, hear me loud and clear. Same for the Yankees. Even though the Yankees got Juan Soto and we're all in a tizzy and loving every second of it, and I still am so excited to see him in a Yankee uniform, I can't tell you. I'm trying to plan a spring training trip for the first time in my life. I'm pumped about it. But if they do nothing else, if they do not add to this rotation because they don't love the price tags, disgusting. This is an all-in year. You ha- Once you get one, so do you have to do it. So make no mistake, I'm right there with you with the Yankees, too. The Yankees need to make another move. But at least the Yankees are having powwows in Florida trying to figure out which one they're going to move on. Sounds like the Mets are just fine not doing anything. At least the Yankees are showing a pulse that they're involved in it, and the pieces are still there. The free agents are still out there. No one signed. So it's time to make a move for both these teams, man. But the Yankees... At least they're showing up. I'm going to kill them if they don't do it. I'm just less on them right now because at least it seems like they're trying. But if this offseason ends and Montgomery goes somewhere else and um, Snell goes somewhere else and Burns, Bieber, and, and Dylan Cease are all traded somewhere else, they will feel my wrath. Oh, yes. They will feel my wrath.